everybody, and welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host, Todd Conklin. How are you today? Oh, yeah, it's a big day. Yeah, it's a big day because today is a day where we're going to talk about leadership and complexity, or actually leading complex organizations, but I think that's still leadership and complexity. I think you'll find today's podcast very interesting. It is all grand here, man. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have any great stories to tell you. I do. So I was on a conference call, <laughs> and um, and it got a little heated, and I texted somebody that the person on the conference call was being kind of a butthead. What I didn't realize, you know the answer to this, is that I actually texted the person on the conference call that they were being a butthead. So that's been an interesting couple days, uh, recoverable, because... Uh, well, one is there were a lot of buttheadness on both sides. I'm not saying I'm innocent because uh, I'm not innocent, but it was awkward to say the least. I don't know if you've had that experience. Um, it's a risk, an operational risk that exists in electronic um, medium that is one to think about. Uh, man, the scary thing is it's non-recoverable. Once you sent it, and as soon as I sent it out, I thought, huh, did that, well, I didn't really look, hmm, huh, hmm, who did I send that to? Yeah, it was who I sent it to. Um, it's, um, it's awkward. I owe some apologies all the way around. Uh, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply the seven second rule. You know, the seven second rule is when something upsets you, you have seven seconds to react to it and that's it. And then you have to move on from there. But it's uh, harder to apply here because it's kind of a... You know, it was, it's just a mess. It's a mess and it's non-recoverable and it's high risk and I fell for it and it's really easy to go to blame and shame. You know, I should have known better. I should have been more careful. Um, I shouldn't have done that. Yes, those are all true. Thank goodness I chose the non-offensive. I know, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's non-offensive, less offensive butthead because uh, there were certainly more offensive things you could have applied, I could have applied in that process all the way around. But that, <laughs> So that's the adventure. Uh, that's uh, at least today's adventure, um, and there are many, but that's, that's the one I think of. So today's podcast, uh, kind of the late February podcast, involves a project that I've become really interested in, and uh, James Barker, uh, Dr. Barker's at Dalhousie, and he's he's my complexity guy. I mean, he's the guy I go to when I think about complexity. And his latest project is he took a class, graduate-level class he's teaching, and he's applied it into um, a book on leading in complexity kind of in the new view. It's all very new viewy, uh, safety differently, uh, HP. All, it sort of fits the new category. But it's so interesting to hear him talk about really the difference between the way we traditionally understand organizations um, and sort of what organizations have become or the changing way to look at organizations now. And it all has to do with the difference between measuring a fixed point in time and understanding vectoring, which is 
maybe that that probably makes sense. It should make sense. It will definitely make sense at the end of the podcast. Um, and I think that part is very important to us because our traditional metrics are really kind of built around the old school understanding of an organization. And organizations have changed. What I think is interesting, and we talk about this, is that people have found themselves leading organizations that are different than what they expected them to be. And I think some of that's normal, at least in my leadership experience, I think that's all kind of normal. But some of it has to do with the fact that organizations, because of things like technology, so you could send a, you know, accidentally send a text to somebody that says they're being a butthead when you didn't mean to send that text. That's pretty easy to do, right? Those 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 interface points, um, couplings is the word I was looking for, those are really present in our organizations. And that's kind of what, what Jim talks about. I, I'm, I'm excited for this podcast. I'm really excited for this book. Um, I think the book would be very enlightening. And partially because I just don't know if other people are really having these conversations at this level. And I do think leadership's the key component that we probably – I don't think I spend enough time, even on this podcast, representing leadership the way I probably should. And that's that's kind of the next next place to go. So, well, let's just get into it. <clears throat> Without any further ado or goofy stories more, um, here is James Barker and a discussion around complexity and leadership, leading complex organizations. Well... The first thing that we have to come to terms with, and this is really, really hard, uh, and, and when I start out my graduate class in, in leadership, the, uh, I tell them that the, really they have to put aside everything that they've been taught. Uh, and the reason why is that particularly if you've been educated in a North American system, uh, more broadly and generally if you've been educated in the Anglophone world, uh, you've only encountered leadership from a, a very small view, and that's a psychological view. And, and that's, that's how we've always been taught leadership. And it, it's, it, it comes when the psychologist in the 50s and most predominantly into the 60s and early 70s were migrating into the field of, of business and organization studies from psychology departments. And uh, they brought with them how to understand the world. Psychologists study individuals. They don't study collectivities in the way that, say, a, a management student or a business student or an organizational student would understand the collectivity. Uh, they study individuals. And, they, and leadership had been a field of psychological study. But this is leadership more like the political leader or the religious leader or if we drop down the level, the sports coach or someone like that. Uh, and so they brought those ways of knowing, those ways of understanding leadership. And we resonate to that. We resonate to that deeply because leadership does touch us at that cultural level and at the psychological and emotional level. So leadership has a powerful effect on us. And, and uh, they were quite successful at it. Uh, they built uh, programs very, very powerful consulting industry, uh, you know, multi-billion, hundred billion, no telling how much this thing's worth. Uh, you see different people talk about its worth in, uh, in different levels of billions, but global consulting industry and leadership. Uh, and, and 
it, 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 it really touches us. It's really powerful. But here's the problem. The problem is organizations are different. Organizations are neither purely cultural nor are they psychological, individual. Organizations are collectivities of people interacting together in a complex communicative system. And that's where the psychological understandings of leadership just don't hold up very well. Now, again, if we go back and we start to chart the history of leadership studies in business schools and, and in, in organization studies, you get into the later 70s and into the 80s. And one of the things that the leadership scholars started to struggle with is what do we say about leading in an organization that hasn't already been said by the management scholars? Now, remember, these are the people who have made, you know, have built an academic field on a po pitching leadership as, against management. You know, the whole leadership is wonderful, good, management's bad. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaders do the cool stuff, managers do the mundane things. Well, they got into the 70s, late 70s, and predominantly in the 80s, and they couldn't say anything about organizations that hadn't already been said. Not even if you go back to the origins of organizational management, like Theol. Uh, you know, they couldn't say anything different. So what they started to do, and you'll see this in a you know, what is really interesting to do is do a history of textbooks. And you start to see in the 80s in leadership books, they start to talk about leaders having this thing called administrative skills. And we get a little into the 90s. Now they also start to have strategic skills. And so what you do, you do a comparison of, of you pick up the top selling leadership books for management today or organizations today. And what you'll see is that they have all these skills that back in the 60s we said were managerial skills. And, and so the problem is now for all the all the work that we do to distinguish leadership and management, uh, we use the words interchangeably. Well, uh, is it is it fair to say that the, it's a distinction without a difference? I mean, it, I, I think you could build a pretty good case that maybe well, they just made that up. It is a distinction without difference if you stay in the psychological and cultural gotcha. world. Gotcha. Okay. Now let's talk complexity. Uh what complexity pushes us to do is to see leadership differently because the comp the organization as a complex communicative system is all about movement. You know, it, it moves. It, it's, it's all, you know, it, it's alive in the sense that an organization is composed of, of human beings. So it moves and it's in a, it's in an environment and it moves in that environment and it moves forward through time in that environment. What complexity pushes us to do is to see leadership as a phenomenon, as a verb. That's what it pushes us to do. Leadership, from the complexity standpoint, leadership is a phenomenon that arises when the organization needs to move forward through time. Now, one of the things that, that traditional psychological leadership has had difficulty explaining is how leadership can emerge, right? and particularly in organizations. You know, leadership just emerges. You know, people get a good idea and other people go with it. And so what psychology leadership tends to say is that, well, anyone can be a leader, which you don't want to think about that too hard because that means – Okay, then why do you invest all this stuff talking about individuals if anybody can do it? <laughs> uh, but complexity, that's not an issue. 
You know, of course, anyone can be a leader because leadership isn't about a person. It's about moving the organization forward. So let's say you're working in a group of peers and you're trying to solve a, a problem. You're trying to, you know, maybe you've got to get performance appraisals done. Maybe you've got to get the group of peers trying to figure out how to solve a difficult lading situation to get a ship unloaded. Right? Maybe you've got an issue that happened with with uh, some of the drilling equipment on the oil rig, you know, you, but you've got a group of peers trying to figure this out, and somebody gets a good idea. Right? So maybe we're there together, and, and I come up with an idea, and I say, what do you think about this? And Todd, maybe you say, you know, Jim, I, that could work. I see how that could work. Somebody else says, yeah, I see that too. Why don't we try it? And then you move. You, you, you with me? Yeah. You start to move. You get traction. The idea goes forward. That's complexity at work. You know, this idea, this idea for how to address a common problem, it gets traction and it starts to move and we start working on it. We start developing it and it starts going. And that's that's leadership and complexity. It's you know, like it, that's how it's not vested in a person. It's phenomena when we feel because we experience complexity. We experience it. We're in it as human beings. And so we can feel as a collectivity, we can feel when we need to move forward and leadership arises to do that. But now there's something else interesting about organizations. Leadership emerges, but it is also generated. There are people in the organization whose part of their job is to generate movement. Their job is to do things that move the organization forward. And we call those people managers. And that, that's what they do. Their job is not just to do these mundane things. You know, they tend to get lumped in that. What a manager's job is, is to move the organization forward so it creates value. That's from the complexity standpoint. And so therein we have we have there is this difference between the two. But from the complexity standpoint, the difference is that leadership is this verb. It's a phenomenon. Management's a noun. It's a formal role. Be happy in it if you're a manager. That's good. You got to you know, the organization has to create value. So a word I use all the time instead of phenomena, it would be capacity, that, that leadership's a capacity, that it's tapped and used as necessary while the organization's in motion. That's really interesting. I mean, for me, the part that I want to distinguish is that is that that what we're talking about is something that is not invested in a human. You know, it, it, it's something that happened. It, it's an organizational imperative. The and organization it moves, it moves around move. based upon need, right, or based upon yeah, uh, the perceived need to move forward. And, that, and, and what that means is moving forward. That means dealing with you know whatever we got to deal with day by day. Oh, sure, problem solving or crisis reduction or necessarily difficult success. I mean, this it's this whole, it, it really fits in with the, the, you know, work is an adaptive phenomenon. Workers right. deal with what they have in front of them and adaptively create success. You're saying leadership is sort of a, a super function of that adaptive phenomenon. Well, it, it, it's, it's the adaptive phenomenon that rises when the organization needs to move forward in the emergent quality. In the generative quality of it, it's done by design. But again, we have people in the organization whose job it is to to do that, you know, whose job it is to generate movement. So we have designed leaders and emergent leaders. Well, yes, but I mean, don't read again. Don't don't read too much status into that. Right, I'm with you. And, and I don't want to indicate that as status. There's still there's still 
moving the organization forward. Now, the emergent stuff is is that in, that that usually when things emerge, there's some exigency involved in it. Usually, uh, by design, that's the more you know mundane day to day kinds of things, or or you know the the, the longer term adaptations that are going on. Um, but again, I don't, I don't, you know, the, the key thing for me, I, I feel, Tom, is, is, you know, is, is to grasp the point that it's an organization and organizations behave differently than individuals and they behave differently than cultures and societies. So how and, do we foster and, 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 and shepherd and husband the qualities of good leadership if it's owned by the collective and it exists as a phenomenon? What, how do we, what do we do with that? Well, that's going to come back to uh, uh, back to trying to understand what complexity needs to move forward. For this, if if leadership is a phenomenon, then leadership arises whether it's emergent or generated. It arises as a as a function of the conditions that are in place. And so what you have to do now, if you're a manager, let's go back to managers for a second, or, or your managers have control over resources. So what that means is managers can put conditions in place. So what you have to do as a manager is put conditions in place that, in, that, 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 that are, are necessary and sufficient conditions for leadership to to arise and merge or emerge uh, and move or for people to work on issues relative to the organization needing to move forward through time and create value. That's kind of a convoluted way of trying to say what I'm saying. Basically, what has to happen for for leadership to work, you have to have useful conditions in place. What, what are those? What do those look like? What are useful conditions? Uh, all right. Let's 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 talk about one. Uh, let's talk about authority to act. Uh, that's a, that's a useful condition, and and it's it's very useful in the uh, superior subordinate relationship. Uh, uh, let's say let's say Todd that I'm working for you, all right, and 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 you got me working on a project, and I need to spend some money on that project. So you you you, know, you don't want me to spend too much that it's a problem, but you want me to spend enough so I can keep going. I can keep moving it forward, right? Right. So maybe you. So let's say you tell me something like, "All right, Jim, uh, if you you can spend whatever you need to spend on, buy whatever you need to buy, as long as it's not over three thousand dollars. If it's over three thousand dollars, get me to sign off on it. That's authority to act. And you notice that's a simple thing. We do that all the time." Or similar kinds of things, uh, but that's authority to act. But it keeps the organization moving forward. It keeps decisions being made. It keeps functional behavior occurring when they do that. And it's flexible. It allows for adaptation. It's yeah. built on trust. It's emergent. It meets all the tests, right? Well, well, I mean, what I mean, it 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 has authority to act, but it's how to act within the set of, of behaviors and constraints that all organizations operate in. You know, behaviors and constraints, you know, narrow the field of potentialities, but that's what organizations do. You know, organizations can't just have any kind of behavior happening. We have to have, particularly if we're risk organizations, we have to have 
thresholds and constraints, but we all know that. We all deal with that. But this sort of takes leadership out of the cult of personality, which is very interesting to me, right? I mean, it, it, yep. it, it moves around the organization. Well, it, it's, it has to because, again, leadership is the phenomenon that moves the organization forward in a useful way. Now, another condition that's very important. Now, this one is more, this is less an issue around emergence and back to generative leadership. And this is, let's, let's talk about executives for a moment. Uh, we are one of the things that, that, that organizational behavior research teaches us is that we will scrutinize the actions and behaviors of executives carefully. You know, we've, we've all done, like, 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 you know, my 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 boss's boss right now, my dean. You know, whenever my dean says something, I I listen, you know, and I watch what the dean does because I use that to make sense. You know, I use that to figure out what's important. I use that to figure out where do I need to put my time. So we scrutinize executives very carefully. But what are what? Why do we scrutinize them? I said before we scrutinize them to make sense. But what do we make sense of? We need. And this this goes back to you know, oftentimes in complexity, one of the one of the one of the interesting little uh, adages that we have about complexity is that that of of what looks complex on the surface, you dig a bit, and it's actually some very simple rules that govern things. That's you know that that's that's uh, you know, one of the ways that we understand complexity. Well, what's a simple rule that that governs why we scrutinize executives? So, well, to make good sense in the organization, we need to know the answer to two questions. What's the right value for the organization to create? Why are we in this organization? And what's the right way to create that value? Now, think about things that managers say, things that executives say, and what they do. Think about how much an executive spends time uh, trying to stay on message about the organization as they deal with various stakeholders. You know, you find a good executive, they will have a message about what's the right value for us to create and the right way to create that value. And they articulate that and everybody else in the organization can make good sense of it. You know, if I have a clear sense about what's the right value to create and the right way to create that value, then I can, I can, I can make good and useful choices about how to, how to behave accordingly. Uh, it, it sounds real simple, but that's pretty much how things work. Now, all this said, it doesn't necessarily mean positive. You know, and, and there are plenty of examples out here where where the right value to create and the right way to create that value may take you down a path that is not particularly good. You know, it's not right in the grand moral sense. You know, it's what's right in terms of what's expected, what's done, what do we, what what needs to happen, and that's where we have to be a bit careful. We have to, we have to, you know, that that's also another reason why we scrutinize uh, what the what the what the leaders or the executives say in the organization, because we are trying to make sense of it. And and if it doesn't make sense in a way that has fidelity, if it doesn't make sense in a value-based way that we're expecting, then we got to make decisions. You know, do I do this or not? And that, that sounds a bit callous, but that's, you know, if, 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 if we cut through to what actually goes on in the organization, God, that's what's, that's what's happening. That's what's going on. So what's this mean for a leader who's in a complex organization now? What, what advice would you have, um, as it relates to leadership as a phenomena of complexity. Yeah, I, well, first thing you've got to do, you got to think movement. You know, the organization is not in a state. We're taught to think about organizations being in states because of the influence from psychology. Uh, uh, 
you know, and, and, and again, I don't want to knock psychology too much. Uh, from my view, the problem with psychology is that it's the dominant theory. It's a dominant paradigm for understanding organizations. And, and what dominant paradigms do is that they push everything else out to the margins. Yeah, That's what's happened to complexity. It's, it's, it's pushed out, it exists out on the margins of organizational thought because it's dominated by psychology and economics. But doesn't so, that also ruin the ability to have metrics? Well, Because no, metrics what, really look for a fixed point in time, right? Boom. Well, Snapshot. Well, the thing with metrics, you got to, you know, you got to ask some tough questions about that because, you know, this is a whole, you know, you, we're going down a whole different road if we go down into metrics because now we're, we're, we're we start talking about, uh, you know, are, are we measuring stuff just to measure it just because having a number makes us feel good, which it does, rather than asking, here's a question that we do not ask about metrics. We don't ask what is the consequence that will tell us whether or not our organization is going in the right direction and creating the right value the right way? We don't ask that question. We're not trained to ask that question. That's what the metrics really need to measure. Yeah, yeah. And, and But the problem is, and complexity teaches us this, that answer to that question differs for each organization. Organizations are particular, and you can't map – and benchmark exactly. And so what you got to do, if you, if the you is you being the executive or the senior manager, you've got to be savvy enough to know these consequences. This is the set of consequences that will tell me whether or not we're going in the right direction. And how do I know this? What metric then I put in place or whatever else you want to use that will give you the answer to that question. So it's it's a different take on the purpose of the metrics. It's not it's not it's less about an outcome. It's about movement and the direction of the movement. Here's a good example. Let's take safety for example, because we're in safety, Todd. We're all familiar with the concept of drift. Yes. And so so we get that. Uh, well, all right. If you're in a risk industry, you have to know whether or not you're drifting. So what consequences will tell you whether or not you're drifting? That's what I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah, but but that that and and that this is what the concept of drift teaches us. Drift is particular; it will occur differently in different kinds of organizations. So that's why it's imperative. So you know, in a way, I thought, actually, I thought you were getting me off the leadership thing, but in a way, you're not, uh, because <laughs> I'm brilliant. That's do, why I'm brilliant. Yeah, what do you what have you got to do? You as you executive or senior manager, etc. You have one of the key things that you need to lead is to have a useful set of data about key consequences. But you have to figure out what those consequences are for you. Again, one of the neat things about complexity, Todd, it doesn't necessarily give us, you know, a, a happy ending. You know, and this is one of the this is one of the tough ones that you have to do. Is you have to realize that it's particularistic your organization. And so you have to figure out what do I need and be willing to adapt from that. But you can't adapt unless you, and you, you can't adapt unless you're getting data back on, on the relevant consequences. And so, so you've got to, you've got to understand what those are. And I'm not sure that's bad. I mean, I, I don't see that necessarily as a sad ending. It's just a different way to look at and understand your organization. I think that the notion, the organization's in movement is really powerful. And I think actually relatively novel if you set aside sort of the classic psychological understanding organizations. It's pretty wise. Well, we talked about 
the consequences, the importance of consequences. We've talked about embracing movement. Because uh, if you embrace movement, what your job becomes then is, is to keep as 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 the leader qua manager, your job is to keep the organization moving in that right direction. But you also have to realize that people, subordinates, stakeholders, need to know the answer to the question about what's the right value to create and the right way to create that value. We know that we need to do it really at, at a deeper level. We feel that because we feel it in the organization. We have to have the answer to that question if we're going to make sense of reality. We just don't teach ourselves that we need to bring it to the surface, that we need to talk about it. So what do you think? Man, I think Jim Barker makes me think, and I like that. That's uh, that's a big part of what happens. I can't even tell you what a difference the notion of complexity exists in motion has has done for changing the way I think about organizations and the way I think about organizations doing things like reliability and resilience, that our tendencies to look at the old psychological model of an organization or even kind of the hierarchical model and to not realize that leadership is directly a function of, of creating value and that leadership emerges all the time uh, in adaptive workers, blue line, black line. We know that pretty well. But it also is deliberate in the way it, it guides and, and leads an organization. It's pretty good stuff, man. I don't know. I'm always interested in your comments. If you've got them, drop me a line. I'm always curious to see what you think. And if, you th- if you've got some people that you think ought to be on the podcast that can add to our conversation, you know they're welcome. So it would be fun to talk to them as well. If you're a first-time podcaster, I'm glad you were on board with us and hope you enjoyed it today. If you've been a long-term podcastarian and you've been here a bunch, um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Do some crazy stuff. That makes a difference. Until then, though. Learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. I really did call somebody a butthead on electronic media. Gah, what an idiot I am.